0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals.
1: All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast from the LPRC. This latest in our weekly update series and joined by Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan. Uh, We've got our producer, Diego Rodriguez, associate producer, Wilson Gabarino, and we're going to talk a little bit about loss prevention, asset protection, uh, threats, opportunities uh, in the U.S. and around the world. Um, so we'll start, start right in. And one thing I want to do is a shout out to my team at the LPRC, our growing team. Uh, our membership continues to grow. We're now at 76 major retail corporations that are official members, and that doesn't include all their divisions, by the way. That's the headquarters. Um, that just continues to grow. Uh, I know our team's talking to several dozen more corporations that have strong interests, so we shall see. Um, at the same time, we've got 105, I believe, now um, so- solution partner corporate members as well. And the same thing, talking another 30 or 40. Um, I think that what's going to happen, the board advisors and the team would like to cap the solution partner, partner membership so it'll become more exclusive Uh, but mostly because uh, really the feeling among the retailers is they just don't want this organization to get too large, too unwieldy. Uh, They like the agility and and creativity um, and the responsiveness that comes from a smaller, somewhat smaller organization. Um, And to move masses around, and we'll talk about mass in a minute here, is a little more difficult. Um, And so, and there's a lot of Uh, feeding and care that's required uh, for members to understand how to get engaged in the LPRC. We're a fairly complex organization, even though it might seem superficial to others, but uh, when you've got six monthly working groups going on in six somewhat distinct uh, areas of operation or expertise, um, and then we've also, we ourselves put on at least six events Uh, We participate in other industry events. Um, So then we typically handle 30 to 40 research projects uh, every calendar year. Um, VIPs coming through the labs pretty constantly now, um, which we're excited about. Plus we participate in loss prevention teams, uh, annual meetings, um, increasingly online just because of the demand, but uh, just a lot going on. It's all exciting. Uh, It's always interesting. And so the shout out to the team is just really here we are finishing at the first quarter of 2023 already. It's amazing how fast time's going by. But, you know, with the kickoff, starting with kickoff, over 100 participants in New York City uh, at the Bloomingdale's um, flagship store. Amazing turnout, a, a, just nonstop dialogue there. Um, and so that was a, a neat gig to pull off and a great way to start the, the year off getting together in New York City every year. Then we immediately pivoted to go over to our annual Ignite conference, uh, and again, Ignite is our traditional winter planning meeting for our two leadership groups, the Board of Advisors, um, that's divided into committees. We've got research and innovation. We've got operations and impact. Uh, we've got finance, uh, and the idea there is to really have people from outside organization, key members, particularly retailers, but solution partners and others that uh, that help us uh, strategize and steer the organization uh, year in and year out, as well as to look ahead in time. And we're going through a strategic planning process right now. Uh, our core leadership team here at the LPRC went out to our little lake house retreat here and um, spent all pretty much all day Saturday uh, breaking down the organization where we've been, where are we, where do we want to go, uh, what's our new, uh, I guess, our mission statement, our vision statement. And try and get an idea of where we'd like to head uh, based on what's going on and demand and things like that. So exciting things, and and ignite is designed to bring everybody together and start that pl- process. Uh, the innovate advisory panel is a key. Is eleven corporations that sponsor the LPRC at a higher level allow us to grow our research and innovation team. Uh, Already we've been able to hire three incremental people, two research scientists and a research technologist now. Because of that incredible support in return, they engage monthly with 30 retailers. Their innovation people um, eight times throughout the year. And uh, and additionally, uh, a lot of branding opportunities and things like that. So we get the feedback from them uh, on where we need to go, what's our roadmap from an innovation standpoint. And again, as we've said before, bear in mind, innovation at the LPRC can mean uh, creating uh, some more innovation, more impact um, or more operability and so on from an existing or legacy device or practice or process. It's not just looking out in the future, um, but it's all the above. So that was exciting. But we added in this integrate that initially was going to be a handful of people. Uh, Getting Together to Learn How to Conduct a Tabletop, those that listen regularly to the Crime Science Podcast know we talked a lot about Integrate, but it turned out amazing with eight uh, law enforcement agencies, 31 retail organizations, uh, and and 10 solution partners uh, participating in this tabletop in three teams and uh, pretty exhaustive. We're going to be using that Integrate uh, tabletop exercise for a lot of different things, Um, and we'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, but just an amazing feat to pull off. A week and a half later, we turn and we host the International Council of Shopping Centers, ICSC. Uh, They generated the idea of having, as many of you have heard, our organized and violent crime summit. Uh, And so here we go. Now we've got 12 VPs coming in uh, of laws, prevention, asset protection. We've got the comparable number of security directors and vice presidents from everybody from all of America to the major Brookfield properties, Mace Rich and some of those guys. We had the big retail uh, associations all in here, uh, as uh, we, including NRF and RELA, FMI, NACDS, um, Clear, LP Foundation. Um, we had ASIS and so on, all represented in addition to very senior people from Homeland Security investigations and from FBI and then local agencies to put together an overarching strategy. And that, what came out of that particular event, just like with integrate, we generated a lot of cool ideas uh, and research projects, including the digital go bag and and many more that we'll talk about in upcoming podcast episodes. But in this case, um, the those retail associations are meeting one on one and groups or and things like that to put this solution package together that we looked at from a legislative standpoint to an educational, to a research and development uh, standpoint, to an enforcement action standpoint uh, across the United States or North America. So um, a lot of exciting things. Um, in the meantime, we also hosted you know the top people, two SVPs, VP and uh, senior directors from Walmart coming in on a jet. We just hosted our third visit by the top executives at TJX. Um, and we've had several other chains in here in the meantime uh, and more to come. So a, a lot, a lot, a lot going on in that first quarter. We also hosted the uh, North Florida police chiefs and sheriffs came in uh, for a brainstorming meeting and uh, and then probably untold numbers of phone calls uh, from some very major cities as well, not just law enforcement agencies, but we've got communities reaching out or major cities about uh, possibly working with LPRC on reducing and suppressing some of their crime. So a lot happening there, um, but more to come. Uh, you know, on f- April 4th and 5th, Procter & Gamble p is hosting the LPRC's annual Supply Chain Protection Working Group Summit. Um, Diego Rodriguez on our team is spearheading that event um, along with several key leaders uh, that are Supply Chain Protection AP or LP Uh, executives that put this event together. Uh, There'll be three of us from our team up there, uh, myself, Diego, and Chad McIntosh, um, and we're excited about it. There are also uh, a couple key meetings with the most senior uh, PNG executives uh, to steer in the future. So looking forward to that event. The Violent Crime Working Group Summit, uh, the leaders uh, are pivoting. We had an event coming up in April Uh, They would like to push it back to May, June, or July. They're looking at opportunities there. The reason being, they would like to still hold it in Houston, Texas, uh, but they would like to include, uh, in fact, uh, build the event around the integrate tabletop exercise. And so looking at uh, armed robbery, looking at uh, assaults and batteries, looking at, of course, active assailants, uh, how do they build that? Uh, the core Because of all the effort that was put in over four months into building the integrate scenario, a whole lot of that's going to be usable uh, and put together. So, Dr. Corey Lowe, our senior research scientist, is working with that leadership group and some of our team to put that together. Uh, So, date uh, to be announced uh, shortly, but that's an example of a pivot, but where we're trying to listen to our retailers as they get with us and say, wait, this is, you know, some of us went through integrate, others didn't get to go through that. Uh, We think that's a powerful way to learn together uh, and individually. So uh, we're excited about that. Uh, The the Product Protection Working Group Summit, uh, always online, uh, also a lot of competition. They're starting to get out the invites uh, for the solution partners to submit entries into the competition. It's a great way for solution partners to showcase uh, all their different solution sets or individual Uh, technologies or processes that they've got uh, in different zones of influence, the five zones, um, and then let retailers kind of online anyway, some of them physically, but assess what they like and so on, do some ratings and rankings. But it's a great way for everybody to explore together uh, and tie together how these solutions actually work to affect offender decisions, right? We're not about just putting stuff out there, but trying to dig deeply into and understand, well, how does this affect offender decisions to the good for us uh, and how does that does that in fact result in lower crime attempts and do those t- lowered attempts obviously reduce loss and other negative effects of crime so uh, that's coming up on uh, May 23rd 24th May 23rd 24th um, so look forward to those invites uh, if you're not getting the connect newsletter whether you're a member or non-member then please reach out to us at uh, wilson w-i-l-s-o-n wilson at lpresearch.org and we can get you linked up with the connect newsletter um that's got all the latest news it's big pictures small words it's a great way to stay connected uh read research and things like that but know what events are there uh and and we're aware i mean we're we're looking now after the post pandemic at dozens and dozens of user conferences by different solution partners going on uh, always the retail uh, trade industry groups have their annual conferences, uh, and then others, entrepreneurs and so on that put them on. So there are a lot, a lot of uh, gatherings and events, and I know there's a lot of competition, if you will, for valuable time and, and travel resources and things like that. But hopefully at the LPRC, uh, the experience, the outcomes uh, being research-based, and that pretty cool venues um, and so on. But getting together with the right people uh, to move your needles uh, even more significantly is something you would take a hard look at. Uh, the impact conference coming up October 3rd and 4th in Gainesville, uh, be at the university of Florida's rights union and at the UF innovate hub complex and where our safer places lab and our six interior labs are. Um, so a lot to showcase a lot to learn. Uh, we'll have a larger team. We're recording, believe it or not, an incremental, incrementally three new research scientists and one new research assistant or associate um that's how much work's going on that's how large our membership's gotten uh that's how much we're engaging with the innovate advisory panel and adding members to that um so a ton going on a lot of excitement a lot of energy around here um so what i'll do is that's kind of my update for this week i'm going to turn it over to tony and then to tom but um Bear in mind, too, we've been talking about with Wilson, with Diego, with Tony and Tom, how we'd like to add guests Uh, again, as we've done more regularly. uh, I've been lining up certain ones for myself uh, to interview with the group uh, that we're going to be talking about high impact offenders with a criminologist, place and crime with a criminologist, uh, human trafficking and how that is part and parcel, unfortunately, of some of the same criminal groups that are victimizing stores and distribution centers and supply chains uh, are also involved in, in some of that uh, tragic crime. So that's first three and then more to come. So let me go over, if I could, Tony, Tony D'Aufrio, if you could take it away.
2: Tony. Thank you very much, Reed. and really great update on uh, quarter one. Congratulations, really great work going on at the loss prevention research council. And I was actually in Canada at the retail council at Canada Secure Conference last week and actually mentioned some of the great work that's going on. And that's another part of the world that I think there are some opportunities for LPRC going uh, forward. But let me start this week with a lighter update in terms of what's going on around the world. And I'm going to start with the world's healthiest countries as highlighted by visual uh, Capitalist. The top 10 happiest countries in the world for 2023 are Finland, Denmark, Iceland, Israel, Netherlands, Sweden, Norway, Switzerland, Luxembourg, and New Zealand. Uh, As you can see, European countries make the bulk of the top 10, with Israel and New Zealand making up the rest. And uh, interesting, Finland has been the number one for six years in a row, so there must be something in the water in Finland. Uh, Canada ranks 13, United States ranks 15, and the U.K. or United Kingdom ranks 19. Uh, Afghanistan is the least uh, happy country in the world with citizens reporting extremely low uh, set of life uh, satisfaction. But interesting, Scandinavia, all the countries in Scandinavia are in the top 10. So that's Finland, Denmark, Iceland, Sweden, and Norway. And I've been to all of them except one, and it's an interesting part of the world. So interesting what makes up a happy country. But... Let me switch uh, topics to something more relevant to this group and really summarize a just published article on what's going on with retail media networks. And in my view, this actually, again, has a loss prevention angle that we can explore here at the Loss Prevention Research Council. In a previous CEO, uh, I was on a mission to transition physical security infrastructure into smart, highly visual advertising delivery platforms. Uh, The rationale is similar to what I was seeing with CCTV technology. Uh, Interesting that in 2021, we crossed over a billion, and I'll repeat it, a billion video cameras installed around the world. Originally, these interesting were designed to monitor the launch of v 2 rockets in World War II And later, they took on, of course, more prominent role as security devices. But many of today's video cameras are now data gathering devices or data gathering eyes. And when you couple them with artificial intelligence and edge computing, you get computer vision. And uh, as a result, a CCTV camera is now a transformational technology that's improving many industries, including retail. If you walk into a store today and you look up and to the right, and I know uh, Loss Prevention Research Council has been involved in a lot of this, you're going to see all these public view monitors, which were designed to increase visual deterrence against theft. Those same video monitors, along with multiple other strategic locations inside a store, can now be turned into what I would call cloud-based digital advertising platforms. and in my view, they can actually do both. They can provide the security functions and also at the same time be the revenue generating engines through advertising for the retailers. And in my in my view, also, PVMs are just the beginning. Uh, there's a multiple other places inside the stores where you can add advertising, and that includes exits for the sales of checkout, in aisles, end caps, on shelves where I, I think digital advertising in physical stores got a lot of possibility. To bring that home, let me explain that further. Retail, um, retail media is not new, it's been around for a while. In the old days, it was all about, before e-commerce, about end cap displays, sampling tables in our coupons and more inside physical stores. But the game was changed by Amazon again in 2012 when they released the first and created the first retail media network and that they applied directly to the, 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 the e-commerce uh, platform. Uh, retail media networks are now already the largest and fastest growing ad supported media channel. In 2022, Group M estimated that global retailers at $88 billion in ad revenue. And in 2023, it will reach over a hundred billion. This represents 18% of all global digital advertising and 11% of all advertising, and Group M again projects that this is gonna grow 60% by 2027. The gorilla in the room, because they got started early and, and really did a really good job is Amazon, which unbelievably in 2022 generated nearly $38 billion in advertising revenue. And you put that in context, they're now bigger in advertising than YouTube. They generate more advertising revenue than YouTube already. Uh, e- e-marketer estimates that Amazon has nearly 77% of the total retail media spend in 22. Walmart comes in a, a second at just uh, over 6%, followed by Instacart at, at about 2%. In the United States, 6 out of 10%. Uh, U.S. households now have Amazon Prime, and worldwide there are over uh, 200 million people uh, basically paying for Amazon uh, uh, Prime, which gives Amazon really a great leg up in terms of the advertising business. But having said that, if you listen to the news, and I actually unveiled it on this podcast and in other places, Amazon is having challenges with their Amazon Fresh and Amazon Go physical store strategy, and they actually halted it and would re-examine it. And and if you look at it even closely, Walmart really has a lot of advantages in the retail media wars uh, going forward. In 2022, Walmart's advertising business grew a massive 130% over 2020. And the advantages that Walmart has is each week's 220 million customers and members visit Walmart online and in approximately 10,500 of its stores and clubs under 48 banners in 48 countries. And so they have a tremendous reach both in line, online and in-store. And let's also remember, and this was an interesting stat, that um, Walmart serves 90% of all U.S. households. So short-term, the most promising retail media networks, in my point of view, are in food and drug, as Amazon has challenged in the space, mobilizing the physical store for immersive digital content can lead to substantial profitability growth when you consider that the average margin of retail media networks, and again, this is in retail where the margins are usually four to five percent, especially in uh, any food and drug that can be As little as 2%. The average margin for retail media networks is 50 to 70%, and even more for on site advertising, and nearly 70 to 80%. Success in uh, retail media networks is going to depend on what they do with trade funds. Uh, There was a great article published by Nikki Baird that said uh, trade funds is a great place where, especially food and drug grocery, gets a lot of their. Uh, revenue. So in the grocery industry, as much as 40% of sales are made up on promotions funded by consumer uh, product goods manufacturers to trade funds. But again, I'll go back to where I started, which is if you look at what's going on with crime, with more video screens being added to store, um, multiple of these new technologies do have that dual capability to both provide security and also provide marketing functions. And actually, when you think about it, when you do both, you actually make both applications better. And if you don't understand that, I can explain it. So starting in Food and Drug, I think it's way past time that we look at security technology is now a revenue-generating engine for the retailer through uh, cloud-based advertising. So a great opportunity going forward. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom
0: well thank you tony and thank you reed it's uh good to be back on and a lot going on i want to start kind of with a a topic that we don't talk about a lot which is geopolitical risk i know that we've brought this up quite a, a bit in in um the last couple of weeks but just tidbits of it but right now um from a geopolitical standpoint there's probably more risk than there has ever been in modern time and you might be asking yourself the question how does it affect us here, the listeners on the podcast, whether you be a retailer or a solution provider, or uh, even in law enforcement or academic. Uh, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit of that, but first kind of um, yesterday and uh, over the past couple of days, uh, there's been really unprecedented civil unrest globally. So if you go back a few weeks, you have Ger- uh, all over Germany, uh, and this is not new, this has been uh, almost uh, four months of civil unrest around pay. Uh, around working conditions for public transit, uh, sanitation, uh, a whole bunch of different trades works in Germany. you fast forward a little bit more and you're in Georgia uh, protesting against a law that goes into place. and these are protests in, in some cases with um, almost total population involvement. So when you're you know it's very hard to gauge some of this being in the u s and and monitoring it actually was in Germany during. Um, the protests there and it was relative and civil unrest. It was relatively more of a strike than a protest. But um, in some pockets, it was civil unrest. In a lot of other pockets, it was almost a working strike. In Georgia, there was um, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people protesting. uh, And while I would say they were relatively uh, peaceful, they turned into, you know, fires were being lit and there were things that occurred. And then we have France in the past couple of weeks, where you have um, a, a pretty uh, a pretty large group of the population uh, pro- uh, protesting, involved in civil unrest uh, around their retirement age, and then uh, in the in the last couple of days, Israel around uh, some decisions made. Now, what what does this have to do with us, and kind of why why we're bringing it up? With all of these things, the disruption and supply chain and movement of goods affects retailers directly. Additionally, with the economic situation globally in the United States, it puts just another strain on it. Uh, A continued uh, piece in the geopolitical area, and I'll definitely keep an eye on this and probably talk more about it in upcoming weeks, is that uh, back a few months ago, we did talk about it here, which was something that wasn't heavily reported, the BRICs, which are uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, a group of company uh, countries that have worked together. Um, this is not a new thing. This, uh, this has been around since 2001 and back in 2010, 11 time, uh, South Africa were in that group. Well, just recently, uh, about in the last five months or so, the BRICS created their own currency. So uh, what does that mean for us? Well, it's kind of hard to tell. It takes about a dozen years to create a currency based on modern standards. That's It's not an easy thing to do. Um, there's a lot of moving parts involved. And, and you know, in my current full-time job, I deal a lot with the banking industry and the fintech industry. So um, this was, while it was not reported Widely, it was something that occurred, and that economists took a look at. Now, just over the weekend, the BRICS have said that Saudi Arabia and a couple other countries are joining. What does that mean from a geopolitical risk? Well, for starters, the GDP of the BRICS at this point outweighs the G7. So, the G7 at one point was the wealthiest com- uh, countries working together in this and in this. Um, quasi kind of agreement they would meet, um talk about uh, uh, power, you know things that are going on throughout the global economic stage, uh, a lot of energy conversations. Well, today, uh, if you the u s. dominated g seven, you know, so when you think the g seven countries that are out there, the BRICS actually supersede them in GDP and super and far supersede them in energy power. So this is something really, really. Kind of in the, the back of our minds, probably not something we talk about, but there really are far far reaching impacts here when you take the unprecedented civil unrest just coming out of a global pandemic, uh, a conflict with the Ukraine and Russia, um, potential conflict with China, um, with Taiwan, and uh, there's a whole bunch of things going on. You have this geopolitical risk state that has not existed, very different than Cold War era times when. Um, a little more defined. You have a lot of very powerful countries that control energy throughout the world um, and n- taking political stances that aren't necessarily opposed to others but aren't in a, a, don't actually support others. So something that we'll continue to watch, I think um will can the the civil unrest in one sense shows that some of these countries will stand up to their government. The challenge is what is the damage that's done? Um, You know, I think when we read the news, you know, not picking up garbage doesn't cause substantial long term damage, but certainly fires and stopping boats and trains do. So it's definitely something that we'll monitor here and and see if there's spillover in the United States. We know that the United States is a melting pot. We also know that there are large communities that. Tend to follow suit when there is some unrest um, within those in a different country where they're communal here. So it's just something to watch. I think we'll continue to kind of keep an eye on it. Switching gears a little bit to some cybersecurity or cyberspace, more technology driven. You know, ChatGPT is in the news. It's in the it's in the buzz. AI and AI in general is. Um, about two weeks ago, ChatGPT had a bug. Uh, which affected a small number of users It was actually March 20th that it occurred, um, and they suffered an outage. But it was an intentional outage because the, there was a data leak. Um, this is not this is not a breach. This is not a this is not necessarily uh, someone hacking in. This was a leak where um, there was a a code error which allowed ChatGPT Plus subscribers. And some non, um, it was a, a very small percentage. At least that's what's being reported now, um, of the users' chat GPT history to be open and accessible to everyone. Uh, additionally, you had some folks log in and see other people's history. So this is just a, a reminder with all of these technologies. Just keep very, very keep in mind what information you're sharing, what type of questions you're asking. Uh, ChatGBT responded very quickly. They actually t- shut down this when they saw this. Um, so I think they responded well, but I also think that this just is a, a stark reminder of while we're getting more and more involved with some of these AI technologies, understanding what our risk is. So for the listeners here, think about the type of information if you've used ChatGBT that you're asking it, and what, what could someone learn about you or potentially. Um, something that's confidential so just keep that in mind i don't think that that um there was nefarious a nefarious actor behind it but i definitely think that it's something um to keep an eye on uh, with twitter uh, last friday github complied with a dmca uh, request which is basically a copying right or an, an infringement request to remove information so some of twitter's source code was on github and it had been for several months and publicly available Uh, This is obviously much, much more risky. This is nefarious in nature. This is not source code that could have accidentally got there. And what Twitter has done is uh, is making a push to get the user history of the person that posted it to try to go after it. This is not only illegal, but it does put a lot of us that use Twitter at risk because that code being available could potentially let people get into our accounts and and get information. There's, it's unknown to what the extent is. Um, the person who released it on GitHub had a name around you know f- free speech, and that was what it was backing. But again, it, it goes to the similar message of ChatGPT as we're using these platforms, understanding you know what what our risks are if we're using them for communication purposes, and so on and so forth. Just being mindful of, of that and and being aware of it. Switching gears probably to a more positive um, cyber event is with chat we're seeing an insurgence of AI tools that really do help folks, help with research, help with quicker looking at proofreading, allowing you to do really, really fa- uh, fast research. I actually really love the tool because um I do a lot of research and a lot of reading, and it, it, it speeds it up quite a bit. Where I can get exactly the information or validation from my standpoint from a more of a technical side, but it's definitely something that is 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 being incorporated in a lot of things. Microsoft announced, uh, and I did talk a little about this, uh, a feature called Copilot, which will allow uh, embed ChatGPT in into it and virtually allow you to say. I want to find every email from Reed Hayes that has this subject. Could you summarize what it means in three bullet points? So that's exciting. I, I saw an early version um, waiting for that. Uh, additionally, we use teams to record the, the this platform and teams has a new version that's coming out that's a complete overhaul a complete rewrite uh, double the speed uh, with half of the resource usage. So that's very exciting. Um, they haven't really given all the details, but there will be a, a chat GPT component of, of that. We're not sure what that looks like. WhatsApp released a Windows client this week with um, multi-device sync support and video chat um, up to eight people and up to 32 people for audio. So again, all of the the with all of the bad news, there's a lot of good news in tech that people are really... I think going to see some benefit uh, out there. Uh, so I think we we continue to say the same things from a, a cyber and risk standpoint, be, be vigilant in what you do, make sure you update and patch and keep your passwords and, and use your two factor. Um, just switching a little bit for, I, I was in New York the last couple of days, met with some folks and, um, Continuing, you know, and this is anecdotal because I just talked to several different retailers, and they're continuing to to see a challenge with homeless and organized retail crime. I know that that um, Reed mentioned the violent crime summit. That was one of the the comments that came up every, with every single person I met. A lot of these folks I worked with in the past when I was a, a practitioner. And it was, you know, the, there's just more violent events than there have ever been. And these are folks that I don't think uh, any of them that i talked to have been in the industry for less than 20 years, um, probably more of the 25 to 30 year range. And the commonality in, in the New York market, uh, I know that, again, anecdotal was that they're seeing a, a higher propensity for violent events, even with homeless. Um, and one person that I spoke to for a really long time just said that in my, in in his whole entire career even in other markets he hasn't seen um, this level of violent events occurring so i know that Reed and the lprs team are working on it um i know that that's you know one of the big key factors of being a member here to learn about what's working what's not and just share information so i thought it was pertinent to mention that and that with that i will turn it back over to Reed.
1: all right well thanks again so much uh tom for all that great information um, a lot going on the same for you, Tony, and helping us understand how we create a better experience during uh, store visits as well as uh, better outcomes, right? Maybe uh, more sales and lower losses and other problems. So um, these are so critical And at LPRC. We're always talking about mechanisms. How do things work? Why do, how do the bad guys work? How do they, the things that we do to, to help convince them not to do bad things work? How do they work? Those mechanisms are critical, so um, you guys and your support, all that you're doing for us and for the community out there at large is much appreciated here at the LPRC, I can tell you that much. Um, So I would like to encourage, again, each and every one of you all out there, please let us know what are things we can do to enhance crime science uh, for you, uh, for your members, for your team members, uh, and so on. Uh, Just let us know at operations at lpresearch.org, and always, always. Uh, reach out. Uh, our our uh, website, uh, at, which is lpresearch.org, uh, is always changing. We're always adding new things. And again, the Connect newsletter is uh, constantly updated and every week going out on Tuesday evenings and letting everybody else what we're up, know what we're up to. So stay in touch, stay safe. Thank you.